Dating Skills Review. The central source for dating advice for men presents Dating Groove Insider. Hi there, this is Angel Donovan from Dating Skills Review. Today we have Alex Orman from Revolutionary Sex. Alex Orman um, came onto the scene in about 2007 with uh, a book called Revolutionary Sex, uh, ebook, which um, you know, personally I think is, was actually very revolutionary, so it's a very fitting title um, in, in the way it approached sex and really, really on target compared to all of the stuff that came before it. So, you know, I'm, I'm extremely happy to have Alex here to talk about it. Hi, Alex. Hey, Angel. Thanks very much for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, having the conversation. Yep, always good to have a conversation. And um, oh, let, let's just, um, like, dive straight into a, a quick little bit, bit of background on, on you, Alex, and, like, how you, came, how you started off with this um, you know, and, and, you know, where, where you came from in terms of, like, um, giving people some advice that was new and, you know, what you thought was missing. Sure, yeah. I uh, actually, I think, began this very early on because I'm a guy who, who kind of speaks girl. I really uh, communicate well with women on the level that they communicate. And I think that's because when I was a kid, in my neighborhood, there were no boys. Everybody, all the, all the kids in my neighborhood were all girls for whatever reason, just the way it distributed out. So if I wanted to see one of my friends from school who was a boy, uh, my mom would have to drive me, but my mom worked. So on the weekends, you know, she would drive me to see one of my friends who, who were further away. But during the week after school, uh, the kids I was playing with were, were girls. So, you know, before puberty, like all my friends were girls, and then when we kind of hit puberty and, and it started sort of breaking off and, you know, there were the boys and the girls and, ooh, it was kind of – I was still kind of hanging out with the girls. I mean, they were my friends, and it just seemed weird to, to not hang out with them. And, uh, you know, I even got picked on a little bit about that from time to time, but those were my close friends. And so when sexual issues and stuff like that came up for them, I was the one they were talking to. Uh, girls talk about sex really differently than men, and I was privy to conversations with a lot more detail than I was always comfortable hearing, but, you know, they just kind of thought I was one of them, and it, it went down that way. Uh, but... I, I had, I, I guess, everybody's interested in sex. I guess I had an unusual interest in it because I did a lot of research on it on my own. I, I read you know, every book I could find on the subject. And ultimately, when I became a professional writer later in life, uh, I wrote a lot about sex and sexuality. And then ultimately uh, did some, some freelance writing for uh, a guy that a lot of people know, uh, David D'Angelo. And we became kind of good friends, and he had read some of the articles that I had written on sex, and he said, you know, man, this, this stuff's good. I haven't seen people talk about sex in exactly this way before. He said, I, I think that a lot of men, the men that, that I'm coaching and dating, a lot of these guys have a lot of anxiety and insecurity around sexuality that you seem to not be a part of. You seem to kind of know a way around all that. And I think a lot of men would be really grateful if you, if you wrote a book about it and, and marketed it online the way I do with, with W Dating. So uh, we actually had this conversation at a restaurant called Earth Cafe, and, and I remembered it was kind of a life-changing conversation because I thought, well, no, I'm a writer, and I've been kind of interested in this other thing for all these years, and I saw it kind of come together all at once there. And, and uh, so I, I wrote the book in 2007, and I haven't turned back. I mean, now I've got a bunch of other programs in the area, and it's, it's been just, just awesome feeling like uh, – you know, I was writing fiction before, and now feeling like I'm really making a difference in people's lives. You know, when I get emails from guys saying, hey, you know, you changed my life, it, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's an amazing feeling, and, and getting them every day just charges my life in a different way. And some of them, I mean, they're just unbelievable. I, I've gotten, like, letters from, from uh, couples who've been married for, like, 40 years. And I'm like, what could I possibly be teaching? How could you not figure this out in 40 yeah. years? It's, but it's cool. It's cool. They're like, yeah, we just had the best sex of our lives. I'm like, really? Are you kidding me right now? So it's, it's, it's been a heck of a journey, really. Right. And, well, you know, we were, I was just touching on this with you um, before, before we got into this, but, um, you know, some of the stuff you cover um, in, in that book, it really focuses on, on it's kind of basic stuff, but it's basic stuff that I just think that so many guys just, just don't know. 
Um, and all of these guys are going around with like sexual concerns um, and, and very basic issues, but there's not really any concrete information out there just to you know, help them resolve this and just have an enjoyable, normal sex life. Yeah, you know, I think that what it is is the elusive obvious. And so many issues in our lives are solved by the elusive obvious. It's like it's right in front of us. It's that thing where you know, you're looking for a pen and it, it's behind your ear. You know what I mean? There's, mm. there's these things in our lives that, that we kind of know. We kind of, somewhere in our gut, we know this is actually the way it is. But until somebody sits down, looks you in the eye and says, look, man, you know, uh, the reason that you're not getting dates with women is because your belief that you don't deserve them. And that if you just really kind of sat down, got a little confidence in yourself, a little trust in yourself, it wouldn't matter what you said. It would, you know, and I think every guy who's been through a bunch of these dating products, they, they kind of eventually arrive at that. I mean, we already know it's true. Why do we need somebody to tell us? Well, sometimes we do. And, and sex is no different. I think there's a lot of things that on some gut level uh, we get, and, and that goes for everything from how to really blow a woman's mind in the bedroom, which you know, sort of the, the big message of the book, but even down to things like performance anxiety or not lasting long enough. I mean, all this stuff, the, the real key, most of the guys they already know uh, somewhere in there. It's the elusive obvious. It's just really getting to understand yourself better uh, is the journey in life. That's what, uh, that's what it's all about. And sometimes, yeah. you know, sex and our relationships with women is, is where, as men, we define ourselves and where we begin to figure out who we are and what kind of space we take up in the world. Exactly. Um, like, you know, I, I was just thinking about this. Like, uh, you know, I, I read some of your stuff and, and some other stuff and it's, it's kind, of, kind of similar. And, you know, I've never had any of because of this, you know, I, I pretty quickly, you know, got over any of these basic issues or whatever. But um, I have very good uh, friendships with friends, very genuine um, guys, and uh, you know, we're very open about talking about stuff. And I was just amazed at, you know, how many of them have, you know, some of these pretty basic um, issues that you know, go on in your, you know, you talk about in your ebook. Um, you know, for me, it's kind of eye-opening because I hadn't had that many issues, and I guess because I'd also learn about stuff, they never really came up that much either when I became more sexually active. Um, so, you know, I'd love, can we just talk a bit about, um, you know, some of the main things, like the, kind of the basic stuff that, you know, um, you, you talk about in the book, which is important to um, get over the basic issues and, and, and what guys have and, and why they come up? Sure, yeah, I would, I would love to. I, I think it's worth even pointing out, if, if you don't mind, and, and I don't want to uh, you know, create a, a touchy subject, but it's interesting, I think, and it really defines a lot of why all this goes on and, and how men think about sex, that you, know, you mentioned to me that a lot of your friends have a lot of issues around sexuality, which you know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I also teach women sexuality, and so I, I communicate with women a lot, and the percentage of men that have some kind of sexual dysfunction, whether they have performance anxiety and, and you know, don't get an erection or they find it difficult sometimes and sometimes they can, and, or they lose their erection when they're trying to put on the condom or sometimes even in the middle of sex or they, they ejaculate too soon. I mean, according to women, this is, this is not some men, it's most men. And then eventually they may get a comfort level with their girlfriend and, and sometimes they don't and, and she leaves him. Uh, but... But in terms of, you know, performance anxiety once in a while, on, on the first time they get together, that kind of thing, and that's the vast majority of men. It's not, it's not some men, it's most men. What's interesting, though, is when you, when you mentioned that, you said, I, you know, I have some friends with this problem. You said, I mean, I personally don't. You know, I don't. I, you know, I read your stuff, some other stuff. And I don't know, I guess I was sexually active for a while. I mean, you kind of you had to justify it a little bit and say, well, you know, a lot of men do, I, I don't. And, and that's, that's interesting to me, and I, I hope I'm not, you know, offending you by pointing this out. But it is interesting that as men, we really do have a lot of shit around this. You know, that it was a kind of, there was something in you that made you want to separate yourself from maybe having any sexual problems. And I think that that's why this right. is so difficult for men. This idea that, that um, you know, you're not great in bed or that there might be something, yep. you know, that you're nervous about in bed. It's very hard for men to talk about. It's hard for them to admit. And it makes them feel like they're less, masculine. It really cuts to their masculinity itself. And that's, that's a big deal. 
It turns out that it, it really it works in both directions. If uh, if a man can get totally confident and full of trust for himself as a man and his masculinity, he's, he's going to be probably very good in bed. Uh, and if uh, if he's very good in bed, it's, it's probably going to make him feel very confident about his masculinity in other areas of his life. So so these things kind of work back and forth. And then you get men who, at some level, are so um, disappointed by their sexual ability or sexual encounters, or they got humiliated by a woman at some point in their life, that they, you know, become sort of the guys who who pretend they just don't give a shit, and you know, they're sort of the sexual jerks. You know, I'll, I'll just come on her and I don't give a shit and this kind of thing. And you know, that that's actually, in in my experience, a, a guy who's really lying to himself. He's 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 so stuck in his persona that he doesn't he doesn't see that he he really does crave more. He craves intimacy with another human. It's it's one of the most organic and natural things for us to crave intimacy with another human. But you know, for some men, it's just a really really difficult thing to admit. So um, uh, you actually did ask a question though that I'll <laughs> I'll speak to now. <laughs> which are which are some of the, the, the basic issues that men have. And, uh, so I, I guess it, it would begin with performance anxiety. And I've spoken to a lot of men now who are you know, young, they're in their 20s, and they're taking Viagra with them along on a date in case things go well because you know, they know that when the time comes, they're going to be a little nervous and they, they might have some problems getting it up. And so that's, that's a pretty normal thing. And I think that part of the cause is, is as I said earlier, just this idea that there is so much pressure on us. We create so much pressure on us from our society and from, you know, talking to the other dudes and, and other dudes are all bragging about, oh, you know, that they never have this kind of problem, but they probably do. Uh, the, real, the real antidote to that is to get out of your head. And, you know, I talk about various techniques in, in the book and, and such, but they all boil down to the simple truth that for most of us, most of the time, where we're so much in our heads and not very much in our bodies, we live kind of above the neck. And when you're in your thoughts, those kind of linear thoughts that we make with words, you're usually, you're usually either in the future, oh crap, what happens if I, if I can't get an erection? Or if you're in the past, oh crap, I once had this problem before, you know, <laughs> and replaying that. You know, or, or you're in some kind of fantasies uh, where you're kind of playing out a scenario of how it might go down and, you know, if I did this, would she be cool with that? You know, is she going to stop me? Uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't put on the condom because if I do, maybe, you know, then she'll suddenly come to her senses and say, wait, I don't want to have sex with you. Or, you know, where we're playing all these things, we're yak, 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 and there's all this voice in our head. And of course you can't get an erection because, you know, that's, that's, not, where, that's not where a hard-on comes from. It doesn't hard cock does not come from thinking about all these scenarios. It comes from, and, and you, of course, you're not thinking about those stuff, that stuff you're looking at porn. If you're looking at porn, you're just thinking, wow, look at that girl's hot body. And there's not a whole bunch of linear chatter. You're just engaged in that. Mm, wow, that's, that's hot looking. Uh, but, it, you know, there's this, there's this woman naked in front of you, and you're just busy chattering away. And so the solution really is to, tune into your body, into your, your five senses, you know, the way she smells, the way she tastes, the texture of her. Uh, hopefully it's at least some candlelight in there. You can get a good look at her. And just being present with that, really being present with that, uh, then performance anxiety doesn't even exist. You know, it's, it's just about shutting your brain up. And so, you know, there are some, there are some techniques around that. But that's, but that's the real basis of it, is just to really tune into her and your enjoyment of her. And... Uh, you know, that is, that is 99% of it. And, and frankly, it turns out to be very much the same for premature ejaculation, where men, again, they have all this anxiety about coming too soon, and they play too much fantasy in their head, and they get nervous around that. They play fantasy in their head uh, about pornography scenarios instead of being present with the woman that they're with, because they, they have all this anxiety about really being present. And to really engage with her and really be present with her and uh, uh, with the sensations in your body is probably the easiest way to prevent serious premature ejaculation. And then uh, being less cock-centered and being more in the sensations of the rest of your body will usually go the rest of the way. If you can 
if, if you feel yourself becoming more excited than you want to, and you're like, oh, you know, crap, this this could end soon. Don't be so cock focused. You know, you can just get into what your scalp is feeling, what the soles of your feet are feeling, your whole body, and really engage in a larger experience. When you ultimately do have an orgasm, because you've spread your attention around your body, you'll end up with a much more powerful full body orgasm. Uh, but also, you'll be able to pretty much last it well, just just with that. I mean, it, it sounds ridiculously simple, and maybe the first time that men try this kind of technique. Uh, it's so deceptively simple that it doesn't work for them. But eventually, when you when you get what I'm talking about here, uh, yeah, it, it, it works extremely well. Was, was there another yeah. basic thing you wanted to talk about? Yeah, yeah, that is. And you know, you just said some, something um, that you know I wanted to kind of take a step back into um, because you know you're talking about premature ejaculation and you know lasting longer. And one of the great things you know I, I, I saw in your stuff is that you make everything so practical and you know, okay, so here's the question. So how long is normal, right? Because, you know, for me, like, so many guys, they're just like, you know, they, you know they're, they're all talking to each other like, you know, they're sexual heroes and they're exaggerating um, and they read magazines and that tells you other stuff. But, you know, the reality isn't necessarily any of these things. So how, you know, you know how long is, you know, good for the woman or t- too long and, you know, what is premature ejaculation or how long we're talking about here? Well, you know, I guess ultimately uh, premature ejaculation is, you know, if you ejaculated sooner than you wanted to, right? I mean, that's, that's ultimately it. And usually, usually what that means is, you know, you, you ejaculated before. Uh, either you really got a chance to fully explore and enjoy this woman that you, you know, worked so hard to get into bed or, or you know, you were so excited about the sex we were going to have tonight and then, you know, oh, damn, it's over. Or she's disappointed, right? She didn't uh, get everything she wanted out of it. Maybe she didn't have an orgasm or didn't have as many orgasms as she wanted. So, you know, it's different for different people. But, but ultimately this stuff about, you know, lasting an hour and this kind of thing, um, you know, I, I think that – Men misunderstand that. You know, they watch pornography and they see a bunch of uh, different scenes. You know, you can tell by the change of the camera angle that they've moved the camera, uh, during which time there was there was sometimes a break, sometimes a substantial break. And so ultimately, what you have to look at is, you know, when when you you see people, you know, run marathon, you know, 26 miles in in two hours, like, you're not going to thrust for two hours. I mean, I, you'd have to be some athlete to do that. And the other reason you wouldn't do that is because no woman can maintain her lubrication for that long, and soon the friction is going to start killing her. And, of course, you can use lube, but it dries out, you know. Uh, I, I would guess that if you, if you were really just continuously pounding away and thrusting on a woman for 10 minutes, even 10 minutes, she'd probably be very upset by that. You know, she'd be sore and raw, uh, which doesn't mean that you can't go hours and hours, but you, you're probably not just banging away, you know. Uh, when you're making a real connection with a woman and you're tuned into her body sensations and she feels that sense of presence, it's not unusual for you to be able to give a woman her first orgasm in under a minute. I mean, you know, there are a lot of women who would be shocked by that as well as men, but uh, it, it turns out to be true. And, you know, maybe, maybe two or three minutes at the outside once everything is kind of in play and you're really, uh, uh, you know, turned on and enjoying each other and, and she really feels the sensation of safety that allows her to surrender into an orgasm, which is, is not that easy if she just met you, you know. You really need to give her that sense of it's safe here for me to let go. And, and I'd love to come back and talk to about that in a minute. But... Mm-hmm. But just in terms of how long you should last, you know, if, if you can thrust for two or three minutes and then, you know, flip her over, change position, take a break, get a glass of water if you want, or just look into her eyes and kiss her for a minute, you can make a whole night go by that way in, in short bursts. But this idea that, you know, you just need to bang away is, I think, uh, it, it's ludicrous. I mean, certainly... You know, you could go for the marathon session. You guys might enjoy, you know, that in terms of it being kind of rough. Uh, nothing wrong with it. But the idea that you'd have to do that all the time, I, I think that would just get boring for most women and men. Nobody wants to do that all the time. And if you feel like you need to do that to be a hero, that's going to weird her out. 
she's going to sense that you're sort of using her as a, a device to prove something to yourself. And you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. Right, totally. Um, there's just so many things I want to touch on from what you just said there. I guess the first one, you, you, you know, you're talking about um, um, that, you know, in, in a way, you know, the guy, um, like, the, the girl feels more insecure about sex generally than the guy. Right? Um, she, uh, one of the things is that she, she tends to be um, more sexually open when, when, she, when, she, when she is just being herself. You know, she's more vocal and, and so on. But to really relax like that. Um, you know, as guys, if we're walking around with these, like, issues about performance and all of these things, um, we can't, you know, we, we can't really take charge of the experience and make it uh, easy for the girl. Um, and really, you know, isn't that our role? Because, you know, she tends to feel more secure uh, and things like that. So, you know, as, as guys, you know, our traditional role is to kind of take responsibility for that and to make them feel okay about everything. But if we have our own issues, that just makes it, you know, really hard because we're dealing with our own issues at the same time as, you know, you know, we're trying to make the girl feel at ease. And so it kind of ruins it for both people. Mm, yeah, it's so, so insightful, Angel. I mean, that, that, that's exactly right. And, and you know, we have, we have so many obstacles. And one of them, you know, I actually spoke at uh, uh, David D'Angelo's Man Transformation Seminar. I, I spoke about this, and I, I was kind of nervous when I first started talking about it. I thought, you know, somebody's going to try and kill me before this thing is over. But my whole talk basically about how uh, a lot of the guys who are in the, you know, the seduction community, a lot of the programs that you review, uh, they, they end up kind of emotionally damaged, and they certainly end up sexually damaged. And the reason is because they spend too much time strategizing about something that should not be strategized about and objectifying something that is not an object. It's actually a human being. And she is actually the star of her own life, believe it or not. She's, she's like a person just like you. I mean, she's, she's just like you. Yeah, she's got a vagina. But she's, she's, she's like a person. <laughs> yeah, she, she's like really a person. It, it's so uh, – and, and while that sounds obvious, again, I'm going to call it the elusive obvious because what happens is when you start referring to a group of women as a set – or you start referring to, you know, uh, her in terms of, like, uh, you know, a, a number rating. You know, she was a nine. Well, she's not a nine. She's an attractive human. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we, we, start, we start referring to them as targets. And uh, when they're targets and we have a wingman, we're actually using military terminology, you know, and it really begins to set up this adversarial thing. And, and what happens in the brain of many men, uh, I would even say the majority of young men, is that the – the woman becomes the obstacle to the pussy. It's like the woman, it's, it's not the woman you want. You don't want the woman. You want the pussy, and she's in the fucking way, you know? And there is that mentality that begins to develop. And so, yeah, you're going to be able to connect with her? Yeah, no, not so much. Not so much. It's, going to be, it's going to be very hard to make the kind of connection that I'm talking about to really, you know, see her as somebody who, who's really a playmate, just really a, 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 a friend and somebody who's fun and, and, and also, you know, maintain this sexual tension of understanding that, yeah, she is a, a woman and, yeah, you are a man. And, yeah, there are these traditional uh, sex roles. But men and women are both just super stupid and secure about sex and sexuality and about their bodies and uh, all that stuff. And so what ends up happening at, is that, that ultimately for her to surrender into a really powerful orgasm, she needs to feel like it's totally okay. A lot of times women can't even do this masturbating. They've actually uh, been so screwed up by society and societal pressures around sexuality that, that they really require a skilled and patient lover uh, to guide them through this and to really show them the kind of pleasure that their body is capable of. Some women are, you know, very orgasmic and they're real comfortable and, you know, they masturbate a lot and they, they know what's up and they, they know what it takes to make themselves have an orgasm. The girls like that can make you feel like a hero because they know what they need. They're, they're kind of, they take responsibility for it. And they're like, yeah, if I just shift my hips a little this way and they're like, could you just scoot your body down a little bit? And they're like, oh, yeah, perfect. Ah, you know, they, they've got it dialed. But that's unusual, you know. Uh, right. Most, yeah, yeah mo totally. most women need you. 
And, uh, and ultimately, I, I refer to this idea of sexual trust. And the reason I call it sexual trust and not just trust, you know, when I say for a woman to surrender sexually to you, it's not that she has to trust you. You know, and I, I think that a lot of men fuck this up. They think that she has to trust them, and so they, they act nice, right? But it, sexual trust is different. It's not the same thing as trusting you with car keys. It's not the same thing as trusting you not to, you know, steal some money from her when she turns her back. It's a totally different thing. Uh, sexual trust is more like pilot trust or surgeon trust. So, you know, if you imagine that you're going to be getting onto a, uh, uh, the operating table and uh, the surgeon is just a really nice guy. You would totally loan him your car keys. I'm absolutely certain that he wouldn't take any money from you. I mean, he's, he's definitely an honest guy. He's not going to overcharge you for this procedure. You know, I mean, that engenders a certain amount of trust. But if you're getting on the frickin' operating table, that's probably less important to you than the fact that he graduated first in his class from Harvard Medical School. He was the chief resident at uh, NYU Medical Center and uh, has performed this surgery successful a thousand times in a row without a single complication. That's what you want to hear. That's called surgeon trust. And actually, I don't give a shit if he's kind of a scumbag, right? I mean, for all you care, he cheated on his wife. He is overcharging you, and he's a crook, but he's a great surgeon. And that's what's going to make you feel pretty good as they're putting on, you know, that little mask and putting you to sleep, you know, or the IV drip or whatever it is. So it's the same now for a woman with sexuality. It's, it's not that she wants a nice guy. That's not what allows her to just, ah, relax and, and give you sexual trust. What allows her to get these really deep, incredible orgasms is the feeling that you've got it. you got it. You're okay. you got this sex thing. You're, you're comfortable. You're confident. It's not going to be weird. You're not going to do anything really stupid. You're not going to make her feel stupid. You're not going to judge her. You're not going to laugh if she makes a weird face. You're not going to make it weird, awkward, or uncomfortable for her. You've done this before. You've guided many women through orgasms without any complications. And you're the guy for the job. And that has a lot just to do with your, your confidence and your frame and your, just, your ability to just be nonjudgmental and cool with her just to be cool with her and be like, you know what, I got this. It's okay. Let me drive. I know the way. And just that, that mental state, that emotional state, is all she really needs. Thanks. That's great stuff. So, like, um, how, how important is, you know, we're talking a lot about sex, sex here, um, which you know, obviously guys make um, out to be, you know, a really important thing in, in their lives. In a different way, but you know, when it comes back to the relationship, you know, obviously a lot of guys have girlfriends and, and they value the relationship. Um, how important is sex to those relationships, to the success of those relationships? Well, you know, I've I've had this uh, debate a bit with some relationship counselors, and some of them are on my side, and some of them aren't. But I I, I think it's fundamental. I think it's everything. Uh, you know. Sex is not essential to a long-lasting marriage. It really isn't. What's essential to a long-lasting marriage is that you're friends. But if you want a marriage that's passionate and has sex in it, then the sex is everything, right? I mean, there's a lot of couples who've been married for 50 years, they're best friends, but they haven't had sex in, in the last 40 of those 50 years. And that's a different relationship. And I, I don't think it's, it's what we picture. You know, we, we want something that's romantic and juicy. I mean, there's, there's a word for a woman who is, you know, where, where just everything is great but the sex isn't happening, that word is friend, you know. Uh, for a romantic relationship, I think the sex is everything. And I, uh, relationships that are sexually passionate are more difficult. They're much more difficult. A woman who is um, experiencing incredible sex with a man is not going anywhere. She's not going to cheat. She's not going anywhere, but she's insecure. She feels like she has a lot to lose, and so she's more likely to act up and be wacky now and then. Uh, so there's, there's a bit of a price to pay. But in getting through those hurdles as a couple, that's where deep, deep love and passion happens. That's where, that's where storybook romance happens, when you, when you can kind of get through that stuff that comes up. Part of what gets you through that stuff is, is the ability to connect, to really communicate on this physical level, uh, you know, through really deep connected sex. And, you know, not 
not all sex has to be deep and connected. You can have fantastic sex that's not deep and connected, provided you've got just, you know, enough of this, I got it, let me drive, you know, enough of that, you're good to go. But there is, there is another level, there's another possibility that I think, you know, many men don't, well, honestly, they go to their graves without knowing about. It, it's a fascinating thing to me that for a lot of men, a lot of, you know, uh, let me say boys, for a lot of boys, they, they grow up feeling like, because we don't have a whole lot of rituals around, you know, what it means to be a man, a lot of boys grow up feeling like the first time they have sex, that's when they're, they're a man. And they feel like things are going to fundamentally shift and they're going to know something. And then they're going, to be in the, they're going to be in the club, you know what I mean? And then, you know, they have sex for the first time and it's kind of not the way they thought it was going to go down. And they don't really feel any different at all. And, you know, then if you talk to him, you know, three years later and he's had sex with a couple of partners, you just, like, what, what was the big deal about a lot of times when you see a really attractive woman and you think, God, I'd love to fuck her, and then, you know, you do have the opportunity later and you fuck her, it's like, it, it just wasn't what you, it just, the, the actual sex wasn't as great as you imagined it would be when you, when you saw her there in the bar, you know. We, we don't have a real good idea about what's really going to make us happy. And yet, there's this whole other world of, of really deeply connected sex that a lot of men don't even know about. Or, you know, they, they hear about it and they think, you know, whatever. I mean, if she's hot, that's the main thing. But then when they, when they experience that, their whole life shifts around. They actually do uh, enter into a phase of greater happiness and greater self-awareness. And they begin to drop their own bullshit with themselves in deep ways. Because one of the things that, <laughs> I know I'm going way deeper than this than you would ask, but one of the things that, that a, a really deep sexual romantic relationship affords us is the ability to be really naked with somebody, not just naked without the clothing, but really naked. I mean, naked without the clothing, too. Like, she looks at her penis, and she thinks, wow, that's a cool dick. And that, that means a lot, because, you know, we have some, some weirdness around that. But, to, but really, like, down to the bone, you're just naked with this person, and she totally accepts you. And, and then she's totally naked down to the bone with you, and all the stuff that she thought, like, she would die if somebody found out you know about, and, and you totally accept her. And there's something so... Uh, maturing and, and powerful and centering about being in that space with with another person. <laughs> and I know you yeah, did that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so you really, I, you know, what, what's great there is you're really touching on, um, I, I think, you know, the power of sex to uh, actually further develop your relationship, right? Because uh, you develop this intimacy in sex, but um, which improves your sex life and makes it so much better. But then that actually spills out into your whole relationship because you've reached a whole new level of intimacy, having exposed yourself to that and new feelings together. Yeah, and it really does profoundly affect your identity as a man. Uh, the, the, the truth is that we all... We all want to be ourselves. We all want to be authentic. There's, there's, there's this thing called being authentic, and we all want to do that. That sounds cool. It's not like James Bond would probably do that. But being authentic seems like that's what we want to do. But then if we really, really, you know, tasked ourselves with figuring out what authentic is, it, it's hard to put your finger on because there's, there's a lot of yous inside of you. You know, you're a different person in different circumstances. And it turns out that identity is not as clear-cut a thing as we imagine it to be. And we lie to ourselves endlessly. There's no way to be authentic with somebody else. We can't even be authentic with ourselves. And mm -hmm. we really don't get where that goes and the reasons that you're doing it and where all that self-deception is until you've been in a deep romantic relationship, which is why they're so infuriating, by the way. It's why you get into these huge fights. It's why, you know, it's why women are just so fucking infuriating because they, they make us face our shit but there's, there's a, a very important journey to be taken there. And not every man has to take it. It's, it's not that big a deal. Alex, um, let's, let's talk about some, some practical stuff here. Um, so, you know, we've been talking about a lot about, you know, uh, how important all this stuff is to uh, relationships and so on. Um, but, you know, what are, what are some of the things you can actually do to improve your uh, sex life with a woman? You know, just down to things like, um, you know, um, a lot of guys, like, they're not, they're not exactly sure what to do with clitoris or the vagina. Um, can you talk a bit about, you know, what, what kind of things you should focus on and, you know, what you should actually do with it? 
people, you know, the, uh, the real basics of this are to pay attention. And that'll usually guide you home. The thing with sexual confidence, which will get you the sexual trust, is to get sexual confidence, you've got you to gotta know a little bit about what you're doing. And right. I, I think that, you know, the Internet has made this pretty easy. You know, most of the stuff's on Wikipedia. And you can get illustrations and all that kind of answer. It's, it's really important to know where the clitoris is. According to women, a lot yeah. of men don't. Uh, a lot of men find it very difficult to take instruction from women, too. I, I have women tell me all the time, you know, I, 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 he does something that I like, and I go, oh, yeah, more of that, more of that, and then he stops doing it. Not sure exactly what that's about. Maybe they're not confident that they get what it is that she's asking for more of. But let's just... You know, I, I, can, I can just outline something that's so basic and so uh, essential that just, just doing this would probably put your head and shoulder above everybody else. We, we can talk G-spot and, uh, you know, the A-spot, which is the anterior fornix. And, and again, if, if you want to know what the anterior fornix or the G-spot is or where they're located, just Wikipedia that. You'll find them. The reality is that uh, most women can't, uh, I, I don't want to say can't, haven't had an orgasm uh, from these deeps. you want to know what the anterior fornix or the G-spot is or where they're located, just Wikipedia that. You'll find them. The reality is that uh, most women can't, uh, I, I don't want to say can't, haven't had an orgasm uh, from these deep spots in their vagina. I think only one in seven women report that they've ever had an orgasm from G-spot stimulation. A lot of women find it uncomfortable. I talk a lot in the book about how to, uh, what we call awaken the G-spot. You know, women who've never experienced it doesn't mean that they won't. And so, you know, that's great and, and you should learn how to do that. But, but let's assume for the moment that she's like most women and, and most women, the majority of women, have their easiest orgasms and their most powerful orgasms from just stimulating the clitoris, which kind of sits outside the vagina and therefore this whole penis size thing goes away. But... But kind of understanding the clitoris, I, I think, is, is sort of enough. Now, of course, the most important thing is getting her into the emotional state of being aroused and being excited and being into it. I mean, that's, that's 99%. But to get her there, you need to be confident that you're going to know what to do when you get her there, right? So uh, the clitoris, learn how to find it. And then uh, understand a few basic principles. First one is that the women are incredibly different in terms of what kind of stimulation they like and what kind of stimulation they can tolerate. This is so important because if you've had a girlfriend in the past who responded a certain way and you're like, ah, that's what works for women, you're wrong. That's what worked for her and it may not work for the next one. It's just incredibly different from woman to woman. And so... Stop you for one second there because you said something that you know I think a lot of guys might, might not get. Uh, you said the, the amount of stimulation they need or the amount of stimulation they can tolerate, and I think a lot of guys don't realize that you know it can it can kind of go bad for her both ways. If, if you give her too much stimulation and it's getting too much, she's gonna you know give you a negative reaction to that, and I think that's something that a lot of guys misinterpret. Would you say that? Yeah, absolutely. And and what's what's interesting is that there's a lot of women who who fall off that that end of the scale. What happens is, you know, the guy saw something in a porn movie or he read something in Cosmo or or Maxim that said, you know, do this thing to her clitoris. Well, the clitoris is it's weird this way. I mean, there are it the, there are women who are so overly sensitive that what will happen is when you give them any kind of direct stimulation like that, it's just uncomfortable. You know, it just, it's like fingernails against the blackboard to them. They can't tolerate it. And it, you're just you're killing it for them. And this, you know, oh, baby, relax thing is not what she needs. What she needs is a different kind of stimulation. So sometimes it's, it's really uh, a question of, of less intensity. Sometimes it's a question of indirect. You know, sometimes it's just the size of the clitoris and not right on the head. Uh, sometimes it's softer, sometimes it's harder. The rhythm is very important. For some women, just a very, very slow rhythm, a surprisingly slow rhythm. You would never see this in pornography. A surprisingly slow rhythm, like a ba, ba, ba. So, so you know, one, of, one of the recurring themes you, you, you bring out here is like basically don't trust pornography, right? 
oh Lord, yes, do not trust pornography. Uh, pornography will will screw you up. Uh, if you if you have a, a a beautiful active sex life with your girlfriend, go ahead look at porn. You know I don't, I don't think it's going to hurt you because you understand the difference between reality. But if you don't have a girlfriend, you're watching a lot of porn, and then you get a girlfriend, you're screwed. Uh, <laughs> really, it's 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 bad. Uh, and I'll, I'll I'll pick up that tangent in in, in a minute because that I, I would like to really speak to why I feel that way. But let, let me just you know quickly just finish this thing about the clitoris is that, like I said, you, you want to find the intensity, you want to find the rhythm, and you want to find, you know, where and how, you know, are you stroking the sides, or are you using your thumb, your tongue, are you just leaning your pelvis, your, your pubic bone up against that, you know, against your clitoris while you're, while you're uh, having intercourse, you can, you can do any of these things, they all, make sense. a lot of women say that just the, the feeling of your, of your nuts whacking into it when you're doing them from behind is what sets them off. So there's a lot of possibilities here, and that, that's like a tap, 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 right? That's not a rub, rub, rub. So when you begin to sort of just play with this a little bit, all you really need to do is pay attention to her. You know, she'll, she'll gasp, she'll moan, she'll let you know. She'll start breathing a little heavier. Ah, you're on, you're on the right path. It's like being on a hunt. But if you go in with a preconceived notion of this technique that you're going to do, then you're not going to notice her signs because you're, you're trying to conform her to this thing. Whereas if you're just kind of feeling around and exploring her and then you begin to say, oh, okay, this is the spot where she's sensitive. Now I know where she's sensitive. Let me, let me try this rhythm, you know. Uh, and then what we do is we, we tend to sprint for the finish. So we find the rhythm and then she starts getting more and more excited. She's more excited. And so we start going faster and harder. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> you found what worked. Don't stop. And so what happens is that's, that's, that's the one who's like, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, I'm almost there, and then it's gone. Well, it's gone because you sprinted. It's because you changed what you were doing. Uh, and, and, you know, this is like, what's weird is a lot of women don't know that this is what's wrong. They, they can't figure out themselves. They're like, it felt good, and then it just never happened. That's why it never happened. And what's weird is I, I, I get more emails about this than anything else because I, I, I think I give this away in my, uh, you know, like on the site, on, on the informational letter. Uh, and a lot of couples, just this one little thing, just figuring out the rhythm and then not sprinting for the end but staying on that rhythm, uh, a lot of couples are like, wow, you know, now she has orgasms immediately. I don't, <laughs> we've been making the same mistake for 10 years. So uh, that, that's a big one. Men, we're wired to sprint for the finish. So uh, just, just unwiring that, that alone, that pretty much will do it. I mean, you can really give any woman an orgasm just knowing that. Uh, getting her into the right emotional state, holding that space for her, being the man who is, you know, the surgeon that you would trust because you got this, let me drive, baby, I got this, coming in with that attitude, and then just knowing that you can do that. And then great if you want to give her, you know, a G-spot orgasm and everything else, but you've already set yourself above 99% of the men if you can just do, you know, the easy bit. Most men can't do that. And they, they don't know what they don't know. By, well, every woman fakes it. So, you know, they don't, most men don't even know what they don't know. So it, it, right. it does get pretty deep. I'd well, love so to circle like, around. Are you talking about women, um, women faking orgasms? Um, so, so I'll touch on that quickly. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's a big worry of a lot of guys. Um, you know, how to know if she's really having an orgasm? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, there's a bunch of ways to really know if she's having an orgasm and, uh, the, the best way, of course, is, is to be confident in your ability and know what you're doing. Know what you're doing, then it's really never a question. But, you know, the second thing that I think is, is critical in this area is to be that guy who is that surgeon, to be that guy who is just absolutely not going to make her feel weird. It's not going to be a big deal. So when you show up as the guy who's trying so hard to make her come, she feels a lot of pressure, and she gets that, like, this is important to you. She's not going to be able to tell you that, you know, it didn't work out. She just can't because it's already so weird. She can just tell, like, you're furiously working away trying to make something happen. It's like, yuck, right. cut that out. And, 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 you, of course, right. yeah, and, and of you totally you don't want to be that guy who's like, did you come yet? Did you come yet? Right. Oh. Exactly. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the best way to make that, – that actually forces her to fake it because yeah. she gets that you've got ego invested in this. And, you know, anytime you mess with the male ego, you end up with a prick. You know, if a woman says something that kind of makes you feel insecure, you're going to, you know, you're going to be hurt, and then you're going to have to attack back. 
and, you know, that's, that's how it happens. Like, you hurt my feelings, now I'm going to hurt your feelings, and you're going to, you know, say something mean to her. She gets that. She knows that's the way men are wired. We, uh, we get hurt, we hurt back. It's just what we do. So she's going to want to make you feel good at that point because she gets, you know, you've got ego invest in this. She gets that. So being that guy who's you know, trying so hard, you know, that, don't be that guy. Uh, so if you're not that guy, and you're the guy who is okay with whatever comes up, I don't know what's going to come up, right? Uh, we're, 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 maybe we're new to each other, or I don't know, maybe even if you've known each other for a long time, you don't, you, you, nobody reads the future. But you have enough self-trust, enough self-trust, you know, that whatever comes up, it's going to be okay. If she comes, if she doesn't come, whatever. It's, it's, it's fine. You're going to be okay. You, you, you trust yourself. You trust her. Everything's going to be fine. You're not going to make her feel weird. You're not going to make her feel uncomfortable. Then she's not going to fake it. Then if, if she has an orgasm, you know, yeah, that was real because she doesn't have to fake it because she'd have no problem saying to you, hey, you know, uh, I could use a little more or, you know, it, it, it's not going to be weird because you're not going to make it weird. And that, that, that's fundamental. That's fundamental. And, and then, you know, there are some other uh, signs. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's rather difficult for a woman to make herself flush or blush, which she'll do, you know, uh, vasodilation when she has an orgasm. So, you know, if she's turning red and the veins are sticking out on her chest, that's probably a real orgasm. Uh, also, the pH and the taste of her vagina, uh, her vaginal fluids change slightly after her first orgasm. So you, you probably will detect that slight metallic uh, taste afterwards. That's another good indicator. But but really, you know, the sure way <laughs> is don't don't make her need to. You know, don't be that guy who's so you know I gotta make her come or I'm not gonna be a man. <laughs> you know, if you're if you're using her to measure yourself or to prove your your manliness, uh, which which men do. I mean, that's what most men do, and that's why women fake it. Of course, they fake it. How, how If you were a woman, you would fake it. Of course you would. It's like, oh, God. I mean, having to deal with this dude after, you know, it's like, why didn't you come? Was it, was it me? You know, who wants to deal with that? You know, it's just unpleasant. So, you know, I would love to circle around and, and talk about why I think porn is so damaging for so many men, if, if you're open to that. Yeah, do. yeah so, uh, you know, obviously... What I said before is that you'll just learn how to do the wrong thing. Now, randomly, by the way, it could be you learn to do the right thing. Maybe, you know, your favorite little clip that, you know, you've been jerking off to lately just turns out to be exactly the kind of thing that she's into. But that's random and, and unlikely. So, uh, you know, women are wired really differently. And depending on what mood she's in, you know, she could be in, in a different headspace where she's in the mood for something that's really slow and gentle and romantic. Sometimes she's in the mood to be thrown down and, you know, fucked silly. And so that's a mood thing. And you're, you're unlikely to get it right based on that. But the other problem, and I think the, the, the really pervasive problem for men who don't have a lot of sexual partners, maybe they haven't had a sexual partner in some time, and they're, they're viewing a lot of pornography, is what begins to happen is they, they actually are training their brain. They're imprinting themselves. They're creating a habit in their brain that plays like, like a deep groove in a record over and over and over again that this is what sex is supposed to be. Well, that's not what real sex is going to be for sure. You will not be watching her fuck some other dude while you're making love to her. It's, it's going to be different. It's going to be really different. And because it's different, what ends up happening is for a lot of men, it's not that good or they find that the interrupt of their normal pattern towards sexual excitement is interrupted. And so that gives them performance anxiety. They end up not getting it up because their brain is used to watching a girl get it in the face to get hard. And so now they're not getting hard. And then they're not getting hard. And, you know, they probably would, by the way, but because they don't get hard for, you know, like 10 seconds, they begin to worry, oh, oh, my God, am I having performance anxiety? And the next thing you know, they're anxious about it. They are having performance anxiety. So there's all these, these things that begin to groove in. And what they end up losing is the fact that sex is not ultimately a visual act. Pornography is a visual act. It's, it's mainly something that we look at. And the sounds of her having orgasms, that probably affects us. And, you know, I mean, but it's mostly a visual act, whereas 
actual sex, actual lovemaking, is mostly a touch thing. We're too close to her to see her most of the time. You know, you can maybe see part of her, but you can't see all of her. You know, you can't see like right up between her legs while your face is up by her face, and you can't see her face if you're going down on her. It's like the whole visual perspective isn't really that good. You know, it's really, it's really a thing that's mostly about touch. So what happens is you're really training your entire sexual response, this biological response that was wired into you, which is really wired for touch, begins to, through a process called neuroplasticity, begins to become a visual thing. And when that happens, sex becomes no fun unless you visualize something in your imagination. You have to visualize because you're not into the touch. You're into the visual. That's what your body's been trained to. And when you begin making pictures in your head while you're making love, the problem is she doesn't feel that connection. And you end up basically having no more or less fun than you did when you were jerking. You may be having less fun than you were jer- when you were jerking off. And that seems like a shame. So you're not getting the full pleasure you could be getting out of this experience. There's so much more to experience in sex than there is in porn. But a lot of men are just totally devoid of that. They'd rather jerk off. It's like it's easier and, you know, no stress, no mess kind of thing. But, but they're, that's because they've disconnected from, from what's truly available to them. There's a huge amount more available to them in this realm of touch because touch is a much more primitive uh, sense that was wired into us long, long before vision was developed on an evolutionary scale. And so it's much more intense. And that's the same with smell. You, know, you can't smell pornography. But all of her pheromones and stuff, and really digging into what that is. And of course, that last piece of once you're making pictures in your head, you're no longer really able to connect to her. And, and so in, in all of these ways, Pornography is screwing young men up because, you know, let's face it, porn's available on the Internet to a much, much younger audience than it ever was before. And, and it's, it, it's hard to know what's going to happen, but uh, I suspect that uh, it will be to the disappointment of a lot of women who aren't getting properly, uh, <laughs> properly fucked. So the, so the advice is stop watching porn, right? Well, you know, I don't know. I, that, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. I mean, yeah. the advice, because I, I, don't, I don't think men will take that advice. I, I, th- I think mm. the advice is uh, maybe to uh, watch less porn. Um, I, I think that there's much to be said for masturbating without porn, by the way, much to be said about that, because you can, you know, experience in your mind much more of a fantasy of touch. Uh, right. So I, I actually think there's, there's a lot of value in that. I think there's a lot of value in, in getting yourself a girlfriend and, and spending more time with a real-life human with a pulse than with your laptop. I, I just I, I can't stress how important having a real-life breathing girl in your life is and, uh, and, and not thinking that, that, that pornography is any kind of replacement. I, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I think less porn is, is the solution for a guy who doesn't have a girlfriend, which is very... You know, again, counterintuitive. It's kind of what counter counterintuitive, and it's it's probably not kind of emotionally what the guy wants to do, right? No, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Feels like he's missing something, so he wants the porn, but you know, he kind of needs less of it in order to, you know, get that that thing sorted. Yeah, and I I think it'd be you know much easier for him to get a girlfriend if he stopped watching porn too, because um, he'd stop seeing women as just a visual experience. You know, when, when you see yeah. women only experience in, in this sexual way, it, it again, it, it objectifies them more. And then, you know, when you actually meet a woman in the street or in Starbucks and you strike up a conversation with her, so all you're thinking about is what it's going to look like when she's bent over, right? And that, that's, that's not that good. I mean, that's, that's not going to make you Mr. Charming. So it, it, right, and it, that's it, a good point because maybe guys don't realize that, that, you know, that's kind of not normal and it might have been something that they've kind of been teaching themselves, right? to like yeah. objectify them women more and it's because they haven't had enough experience talking to them and you know they've been looking at porn and other things instead uh, so you know all, all great points Alex um, it's, it's been great talking um, to you today um, I'm gonna, gonna gonna wrap up here um, you, you've covered a hell of a lot um, in the interview so I'm sure like guys have got tons out of it um, 
Well, I just wanted to say, um, you know, um, there's a bunch of your products on dating skills review, and um, I, I won't go through them. There's a few kind of beginner products like the Revolutionary Sex ebook, um, which is kind of your startup one, and then you have um, some more, some more kind of more advanced ones. But you also mentioned uh, just before um, we started this that you have a, a new product that you're bringing out. So would you like to talk about that quickly? Yeah, you know, I, I guess I, I also want to mention that, uh, you know, revolutionary sex, I, I hate to call it a beginner thing because, uh, you know, nobody wants to uh, beginner thing. It, it's, it's, you know, it's my least expensive product is what it is. It also has everything a man needs to become everything he wants to be in the bedroom. My other programs are, are kind of more uh, specific to specific needs. So, you know, like the command and control is, is, is really for men who want to learn how to uh, have non-ejaculatory orgasms so they can have multiple orgasms. And, and, and the program that we were talking about, Passionate Lover, Passionate Life, is uh, it's a little more relationship-focused, and it really looks at sexuality in, in three dimensions, one being how to be more passionate as a lover, because uh, as it turns out, if you survey a million women, uh, you would discover that the most important thing to you being good in bed from their perspective is your confidence and passion. So it's really all about how to get confidence and how to be able to be passionate. It's really uh, to really experience your authentic, confident self in the bedroom uh, and, and really be a passionate lover. And so there, there's that. And then there's how to create a passionate relationship, which really has a lot to do with learning how to uh, be and hold the masculine space with a woman. It's, it's, it's about, you know, sort of, a, I guess you could, you could simplify and calling it cheap proof of relationship, really, you know, become... And, and learn how to be that guy and how to nurture that relationship so that the relationship stays passionate and you guys are really dealing with each other from a really honest place, which, which very few couples do, and it's incredibly satisfying. And then the last part of the program is how to lead a more passionate life, where I basically take the lessons from the bedroom and I move it out in, in, into life and, and begin to, uh, there's a bunch of uh, exercises in that section on how to find your life's deep purpose and how to figure out what you're really here for and how to act on it and how to have a, a, a more passionate life, a little more of a dangerous life, to really put yourself at risk a little bit where risk really counts because what most people do is they play small in the game that they know that they can win. And playing small in the game that you can win is, is, is all well and good, but then you go to your grave having played small. When you play large, when you really play large in life and you go for life passionately, you, you risk failure, you know, you risk losing, and that hurts your ego, and, and maybe you even, you know, risk some physical danger, uh, depending on what it is, where, where your passions lie, but you won't get a second shot at this, this is your only life, you ought to take this very fucking seriously, you know, uh, this, it's, you can't just say, well, someday when I have this other life, that, that's not going to happen, even if you believe in reincarnation, you won't be you next time around, this is your only shot as you, and, and we have all these limiting beliefs, and we, we play small. And so we do that in our relationships, we do that in sex, and we do that in our lives. And so this program, Passionate Lover, Passionate Life, is kind of my masterpiece, really, uh, just really gives hardcore, specific exercises, techniques, and, and, and things that men can actually do to turn this around and to really grab life by the nuts and, and, and play big. And, uh, man, I, I, I just really, really hope that men take this seriously. And, uh, you know, whether you, you buy my shit or not is, is not that important to me. Uh, obviously, I hope you do, but it's, it's more important that you just take your life seriously. Take it seriously. And, and take it seriously now, not later, by the way, because later won't come. It, it'll be over before you know it. So uh, given that it's going to be over soon and it's the only one you've got, please take it seriously and play big. Play big and stop being afraid to, uh, to fail or, or, or make an ass of yourself or, or look stupid. Uh, things like embarrassment prevent you from living the life that you could live, that you were born to live. So I, I really hope that you'll, you'll seize the opportunity and go out there and, and live large. All right, Alex. Um, this is, you know, it's been awesome to have you here today. Um, this is uh, Dating Guru Insider from um, Dating Skills Review, um, Alex Allman from Revolutionary Sex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.
This interview was brought to you by Dating Skills Review. Dating Skills Review is the Amazon.com of dating advice for men. If it exists, we have it. We help you find the best advice fast, so you can get good with women in months, not years. Find us at www.datingskillsreview.com.